Before we start this show, just a word from our sponsor. 20 by 20 Apparel. Founded in 2015, 20 by 20 Apparel brings original tributes to pro wrestling's classic arenas, moments, and events. They look to spotlight the bloopers, bleeps, and body slams along with the biggest, smallest, strangest, and strongest that pro wrestling has had to offer. Along with their awesome line of pro wrestling apparel, they do offer many services. In the world of wrestling, there are hundreds of shirts, promotions, flyers, social media accounts, and ads. Don't get lost in the sea of parody shirts and display fonts. They can provide professional graphic design services at a reasonable price. 20 by 20 also hand screen prints all the tees in-house. If you would like to discuss possible run of tees, posters, koozies, foam fingers, or whatever, drop them a line. Go to 20 by 20 apparel. That's the number 20 X, the number 20 apparel.com. Now let's get to the show. Fresh is the word. I'm Jim Duggan, got long wood for plenty hoes. I keep it fresher than fresh, but you already know. You suckers bum me, I'm money, I got a ton of flows. My weed loud like a motherfucking thunder roll. Your shit quiet like you ballin' on a budget though. We see your kicks and we laugh and yell about it though. You see me shining like a suit on puppy. You know my grind and shit is too strong, buddy. That's why the dude call money. I be stuntin' like it's nothing at all. Cause it's nothing to me, it's probably something to y'all. Trying to smoke like me, then come and fuck with your dog. Got a closet full of kids, you can't cop it tomorrow. And I'm fresher than the freshest, you can tell it's in my essence. Bitch, you see the way I'm rapping? Yes, I do this shit to death. I tell I'm running out of breath. I tell somebody cut a check. But either way, you know it's fresh. But either way, you know it's fresh. Fresh. We fresh. 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 Welcome to the Fresh of the Word podcast. I'm your host, Kelly K. Fresh Frazier. And on Fresh of the Word, we like to deliver wisdom through great stories from the minds of bright creatives of pop culture. Through those stories, we like to dissect the journey of our guests and present actionable lessons and advice for our listeners, no matter what career or avenue of artistry they pursue. And before we get into this episode, I want to give a shout out to Knox Money, Bang Belushi, and Foulmouth for the theme music for Fresh is the Word. And if you would like to support the podcast, you can always go to freshisthepodcast.com and just share any of the links for any of the episodes on any of your social media platforms. And also, you can subscribe to Fresh is the Word pretty much anywhere that podcasts are streamed. And that includes Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher Radio, pretty much everywhere. And please, rate and review, especially on Apple Podcasts. It would definitely help out the show. If you want to contact me, you can always reach me by email at djkfresh at gmail.com. Or you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at kfresh is the word and on facebook at facebook.com slash kfresh and you can also follow fresh is the word on twitter at fresh is the word and that's is with iz instagram at fresh is the word podcast and facebook at facebook.com slash fresh is the podcast and this is episode 148 the guest for this episode is the scandinavian blackened ambient multi-instrumentalist sylvain the musical moniker of Catherine Shepard. Her latest album, Adams Aligned, Coming Undone, released late last year via Season of Miss, was nominated for the Spellman Prison, often referred to as the Norwegian Grammy Awards. She was the first ever woman artist to be nominated for the award in the metal category since they added the category in 2001. During our chat, we talked about her vision for her music, making music by herself, her experiences with parents that were in the music industry, how she goes through her days, how her music's been acclaimed in Scandinavia, the metal scene today in Norway, her musical tastes, her latest album, Adam's Align Coming Undone, where she gets inspiration, the effects of doing yoga, and the nature, society, and culture of Norway. And before we get into this interview, I definitely want to remind you about supporting the Fresh of the Word on Patreon at patreon.com slash fresh is the word for as little as a dollar you can help out the podcast it takes a little bit of money to do everything i need to do 
and I love doing it, but it would definitely help me out if people can pitch in. And there's some great reward tiers that you can be a part of, including the $3 award tier where I dig deep into my audio archives for interviews that I've done in the past outside the Fresh of the Word podcast and show them in their audio form for the first time. We already have two episodes in the books right now. The first one was an interview with Danny Brown from back in 2008 around the release of his Hot Soup album. And then the second Patreon-only podcast was an interview with Cool Keith back in June of 2010. Yeah. So, again, go over to patreon.com slash fresh of the word and look at all the tiers that you can subscribe to. Well, all right, enough of that. Let's get on to the interview with Sylvain. I uh, first came about you uh, just recently when uh, your publicist uh, sent me over a promo of your latest album, the latest right. album, uh, Adam's Aligned Coming Undone. And I was like, whoa, this is really great. I love like <laughs> sort of that uh, dichotomy of just like lush sounds and then also like some craziness in there. Uh when when you're when you're making your music because you do you write and compose everything yourself, you know what what are you looking to really expose to your crowd? Well, first I just have to say thank you so much for your kind words about my music. It makes me really happy to hear when new people are discovering, and that they find some cool stuff that they can like uh, within it. So that's really nice. Thank oh, you thank for that. You're welcome. <laughs> um, yeah, basically, um, since. Myself, as a listener to music, I'm really open. Like, I really like all kinds of different types of music, all kinds of different sounds. I also really like to experiment. Um, I have different, like, periods with different things that I'm listening to and that I'm working on myself. So I like to try to expose my listeners with my music um, to a little bit of everything. Um, I really draw impulses from a lot of different genres, if you want to use that as a reference. Um which I think is basically what comes off in my music as well. My whole um, kind of concept behind Sylvain was to, for the sound, was to uh, cr create like this opposite forces, you know, with the kind of dark, harsh and heavy elements meeting the more lush and atmospheric textures and melodic lines and stuff. And that was what I really wanted to do with, with uh, this band, basically. A lot of times people just like, you know, when they're musicians, they want to find people and just join a band and collaborate with other people but you're writing and composing everything you're like basically a you know a one woman band you know of course you have other people in the studio to you know make the you know to record the um songs and everything but uh what was your idea of just you know doing everything yourself basically so basically I did that the same thing you know like being in a band and it's always it's super fun being in a band like I mean group of uh, a bunch of people just like hanging out together making music together and I did that for many years I did like all kinds of different projects from ranging from just like an acoustic guitar and me or like choirs to full-blown bands metal bands and um, basically what I found out is that a lot of times the project ended up going in some kind of direction that wasn't like 100% me which was totally fine it was really still cool to be a part of and it was really nice for like the human connection but I decided that I wanted to try to put my personal music into a project that I could kind of control and that I could be uh, kind of free with. Therefore, I decided that Sylvain would, would be a solo project. So in the beginning, I didn't really, I didn't, I wouldn't say that I didn't have ambitions, but I just, I didn't believe that it was even possible. So I thought, well, let's give it a try. Let's see what happens. And that's resulted in my first album. And uh, as I was recording everything in the studio on my own, except for most of the drums with my dad did, which was very cool of him. Um, <laughs> yeah, super cool. Um, I just, I realized that actually I had enough uh, skills, if you want to call it that, to be able to express the emotions that my music uh, needed. So therefore, I decided that I'm going to try to do as much as I can in Sylvain because it'll keep it as personal and pure as possible. As you know, as much fun as you said that you had being in other bands with other people, you know, why do you feel like you weren't able to find a certain personal satisfaction with, uh, you know, your creativity in that setting at that time? 
I assumed that it was probably that I was with, uh, I mean, in bands with people that probably didn't have like the same kind of vision that I had for what we were doing and stuff, which once again is totally not a problem. I'm not trying to like, you know, say they were wrong or anything. It just, I didn't feel uh, right bringing my personal stuff into the project, uh, the projects I was uh, involved with just because, yeah, I don't know. It just wasn't the right moment, probably not the right setting, maybe not the right people. I don't know. It just didn't work out that way. So uh, I, I, I brought some my own things into the bands as well, but I usually end up keeping uh, most of my songs for myself just because I felt like it wasn't really a fit and I didn't want to impose my shit on other people. <laughs> yeah, I, I kind of get that. Uh, sometimes people just have like a... Like, we, we've kind of look at ourselves with our ideas and be like, yeah, nobody, uh, it, it's, no one's going to have these same ideas or the yeah. same vision. So it's a little hard to, like, wanting, wanting to impose those on people because they exactly. might not get it. Exactly, yeah. And you, you don't really want to be that, that guy, you know, that's just like, no, we're going to do this. Because, I mean, if it's a group effort, then, yeah. If you're in a band where there's one leader, obviously, or, like, one person that's composing, it's cool. But if everyone's contributing and you have something that's quite specific and it's really not what the band has been doing up until that point, it's not, you know, the easiest thing to do. Like, we're going to go in this direction and do this because I want to. <laughs> that's so cool. So, yeah. When you started really getting into doing the Sylvain project, you know, by yourself, was there a moment when you realized, hey, this, you know, could start to work out for me? You know, what were some of the obstacles that you had to get past to really get going on this project? I think the very first obstacle, which is like I was mentioning before, is just the fact that I had to get over the fact that I really just believe that I sucked completely at music. It's always been something I've done since I was a kid, like because my father is a drummer and he's been doing a pro for like many, many years. My mom was working in the music industry. So I grew up with it, but I just never believed that what I had to say was good enough or important enough. So that was the first obstacle, just like saying, fuck that and just trying just to see what happened uh, when I expressed myself. And then um, later, it's been actually, I must say, I think I've been quite lucky so far in my journey with Sylvain. There's been some ups and downs with like other people that I've, I've tried to work with that haven't been as serious or like haven't been as, you know, pro or whatever. But um, I would say the main problem I've had would be myself, actually, <laughs> which I guess is the case for a lot of artists. They're often their own worst enemy and I'm not really an exception to that. All right, definitely. <laughs> so, yeah, you mentioned that both your your parents are musicians, part of the music industry. What's, you know, were, you know, were they, have they always been supportive and is there, has there been anybody else that's been sort of a mentor for you? Well, uh, yeah, my parents have been extremely supportive. Um, they, I think I could have gotten into pretty much anything that wasn't like self-destructive and they would have been supportive. But since it's music and they were so close with music, it's really just, <laughs> that's meant that I've been very, very close to them. And they've been, uh, they've been my number one fans, you know, from day one, which is super cool because not everyone experiences that when they decide to go the musical route. So, um, except for that, I mean, I think everyone has like bands or musicians that they look up to. I, I usually mention Typo Negative for me because that was a band that kind of, really opened my eyes to what's possible in like terms of mixing totally different uh, styles or different sounds or different expressions and making this like super dreamy yet heavy yet uh, melancholy but uplifting kind of music. So I, there, I, it's not a mentor or anything, but I would say that they really inspired me at least. can't really say I've had any uh, direct mentor except for that. So, right. Yeah. With, you know, having, having, family that's been in the music industry also you know what sort of a kid were you and when did you like start getting the music bug yourself I have like really early memories from going to like band practice that my dad had or like going to his rehearsal uh, room and like banging around on the drums from probably when I was like five or six or like really early but um I didn't really realize that it was something that was like a way that I wanted to really express myself and a way that I could express things that I couldn't otherwise until I was maybe like 14 or something like that. I re really started to get into, I got heavily into it. Um, I was playing drums back then. I was 
uh, singing. I was going into piano, and then afterwards I discovered bass a few um, years later, and then I got into guitar like just a few years ago. So yeah, maybe 14 is when I really realized that I really want to do this with my life, basically. And then I started trying. <laughs> how many how many uh, instruments can you play? You know, at this point. Well, yeah, I I. I like, I'm really interested in uh, knowing at least like the bare minimum on each instrument just to realize kind of what the function of it is in a band situation. So I started with drums just because my dad was a drummer and he used to give me lessons back when I was 14 actually. And uh, it was really cool. And it's like such a physical instrument. It's both rhythmic and melodic and, you know, it's just really cool. So yeah, I've been playing drums, uh, bass, guitar, piano keyboards and uh, harsh and clean vocals is basically what I've been into. And then I also, I was gifted a, um, a theremin at some point, but it's just, it's so difficult to play. Uh, I also really wanted to get into like um, a, a few string instruments and stuff like that, but it's just, yeah, maybe a bit optimistic to think that I have time to do everything I want. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 That, that, that could be uh, yeah. When you're, have all that uh when all those instruments to play you're like hey uh what time do i have to do this yeah exactly yeah <laughs> or anything else except for that <laughs> like, yeah you know as as somebody who has this project where you're writing and composing everything yourself you know and you just brought up you know time you know how do you balance the time to work on your music and just sort of also decompress and just sort of you know, have some time to sort of recharge your batteries. Yeah, that's not always completely easy, actually. And I have to say that, too, because Sylvain is my main job at the moment, so I'm just, just doing this every day, pretty much, uh, for now, anyways. And um, you have to be quite disciplined, uh, because you can very easily get into this routine of, like, just doing a little bit here, a little bit there, and that's it, and not much comes from it. So I actually uh, manage my days kind of like any other person would. I have a schedule that I that I follow more or less, um, which involves you know like other activities, but mostly uh, like mornings are usually like doing the business side, which means emails and back and forth with people and you know talking to like my label or booking agent stuff like that. And then usually my full afternoon and evening schedule is uh, dedicated to whatever creative project I'm uh, working on right now I'm working on an EP for example as well as my next album so yeah each day I'm, I'm working on either writing uh, practicing uh, or uh, recording demos or ideas so uh, yeah it's um, it's sometimes hard to find time to do everything that I would like and sometimes I'm spending more time than I would like on the kind of more non-creative stuff like business related things since I'm taking care of everything on that side too uh, but I have to say it's been uh, super super wonderful to be able to spend the last few years doing this and uh, I try my best to to manage my time as well as I can yeah I was reading that uh, for this latest album Adam's Line coming undone that you were nominated for the what the spell the Spellman Prize Am I saying that exactly, right? Exactly, yeah. <laughs> Spellman Prize in the metal category, and you were the first uh, uh, female artist to be nominated in that uh, award uh, since they added the category in 2001. You know, how does it feel to you know get recognition for this album in in your region? It's extra cool because Norway hasn't been like the the biggest market for me yet. Like I kind of knew already when I got into this, and I knew the sound that I was looking for hasn't been super popular in Norway. It's, it's really getting better these last few years, but still. Um, so I knew that it would be difficult for me there and to be not nominated for this like Norwegian Grammy Award Spedemann Pilsen thing was super, super cool uh, because it did actually draw attention to my band in Norway and it opened a few doors for me, some things that you will see later that will be announced later. So it's really, really cool. Um, and I was very, very grateful that uh, the jury that was working on this uh, recognized uh, or basically said that my album was uh, good enough to be among all of these like famous old bands that have been around forever. So it was a really big honor for me and uh, very cool because, yeah, I think everyone likes to be recognized in their own country, obviously. So, right. Yeah. <laughs> Why do you feel like uh, they recognized your album in particular when you say that maybe your sound wasn't very 
you know, accepted or re- represented in your area? Well, I think this kind of like, um, I mean, I'm not a big fan of genre, but if we call it like a post-metal or alternative metal, black gaze or whatever, this kind of music is actually on the rise in Scandinavia since the last few years. Um, but I don't know, actually, because when I look at the other bands in this category, they are, I mean, not more traditional, except for one of the other uh, bands that were like completely grindcore, which was also very exceptional. Um, I think maybe it's just a matter of... of uh, bringing out something new in the scene. Maybe that's why they, they, they saw this my record and they thought that this should be uh, highlighted in the year that passed. So I don't really know, but I think it's something that's on the rise in, in Norway at the moment. So it might just be a matter of timing for me as well. Yeah, I think when you know people outside of that area think of uh, Norway and metal, you know, we think of like the really black metal, like the yeah. really just black black metal this, this really <laughs> scary stuff you know um of course from you know as someone being from there what's sort of the you know what's what's um norwegian metal look like these days i think it's quite diverse actually i mean you do have a lot of the old black metal bands that are still going like emperor or satyricon or Borgir or mayhem all these bands they're still going and i mean uh some bands, like for example, Dark Throne, they try to venture into like other kind of different sounds, uh, which I think is really cool. Uh, you also have a lot of newer acts that are still doing like the black metal thing. You also have a lot of bands doing like death metal or like you know more symphonic stuff. Or it's a big variety. There's also like a huge trend uh, everywhere now with this kind of folk metal, you know, like Viking metal stuff, like with Vardruna or these kind of bands. Yeah. Um, yeah, there's there's quite a diversity. I mean, you probably have the like old school metalheads in Norway as well that really just want to listen to the true stuff. But I think in general, it's opening up, which is kind of cool, which probably is why my band can exist uh, in this market now. <laughs> How is sort of like the the show party or concert scene, you know, out there in your area? You know, when you're going to shows. Um, or other bands are putting on shows, you know, how, you know, what's the, you know, the vibe of all of that? Well, uh, I mean, I know uh, a lot of people when they come to Norway to play, they're a little bit traumatized by the, by the audience because I'm sure you've heard uh, the reputation of us being quite cold in the north, which is probably not completely untrue. <laughs> but uh, yeah, the audience is a little bit stoic, you know, but I think in general, the, the Norwegian music scene is filled with people that are really into music, like they really appreciate it. And it's just that at concerts, it kind of comes off as a little bit like, you know, lifeless, if I can say that. <laughs> but it's just people really um, uh, respectful and like enjoying the music. So I would say that the concert scene is, it can be very like that, like a bit more like serious. And the metal scene is probably colored by that a bit more. And then you also have like the, the completely opposite with like the pop bands or like other bands where you have audiences that are just insane and it's cool. But um, yeah, I think the, the the music scene in Norway is quite nice these days, and I think the the people are nice. And when you go to shows, it's it's a good ambience. There's no, uh, I don't feel a lot of because uh, I also live in in France, and sometimes when you go to like a, a black metal show, especially in France, uh, in Paris, I have to say. The crowd there is like really, really pretentious and really like self-righteous. And <laughs> just it's really difficult to uh, be around those people. <laughs> so um, I don't get that in Norway. Just have to say. <laughs> right. Outside of metal, um, is there any other types of music that you uh, draw inspiration or just a fan of? Oh yeah, absolutely. I like I like everything from like you know Run the Jewels to like Philip Glass and Slow Dive and Typo Negative as I mentioned to like Burzum or Emperor or whatever. So yeah, I like all kinds of music. I've been really inspired by minimalism, like with Philip Glass and Steve Reich and these guys. Uh, I really love love this kind of or Max Victor, the like the, the newer uh, version. And also, like, uh, I really love the, the British music from the 80s and 90s, from, like, the complete Britpop stuff to, like, uh, shoegaze and, and you know, all these kind of uh, different, like, new wave bands and all this stuff, post-punk things. They're really, really cool as well. Also, really 
enjoy a lot of uh, movie scores and game scores. Like I recently discovered this game called uh, Journey. It's not really new. It's a few years old now, but the soundtrack for this game blew my mind. It's like one of the best things I've heard in, in years. So um, yeah, like, like a lot of different things, uh, basically. Don't listen that much to metal these days, which is kind of ironic in a way. <laughs> right. <laughs> no, I understand. I understand that. Is there, you know, outside of, you know, outside of um, of music, is there anything else that you sort of consume that you draw inspiration from or just, you know, do for fun? Yeah, absolutely. I draw inspiration from a lot of stuff. I think one of the number one inspirational sources I have is nature. So for like you asked about decompression, like to decompress and reconnect with myself, I really love to just like go out in nature, have a walk, just like sit in the woods. I don't know, go by the sea, this kind of stuff. That's one of my favorite things to do. Living in cities and especially when I'm in Paris, it's really difficult because it's like nature is just not present at all. So that's one one thing. I also really love to read. I love to watch movies and TV shows. I also love to play games. Like I'm really into retro gaming, like with all uh, old consoles, especially the Nintendo consoles, which I'm really a fan of. Um, also like uh, board games. I'm quite a geek, actually, <laughs> <laughs> to be very honest. <laughs> and uh, I'm also heavily into uh, yoga and meditation as well. So a lot of different things that I can draw inspiration from and that I can use to to switch it up basically yeah i'm definitely going to yoga class later on today i haven't been in a few days good for you that's good <laughs> i do yoga regularly oh perfect me too i do it every day <laughs> how do how do, you know getting into yoga and meditation you know how does that sort of uh make you feel and what you know how does that kind of balance your life and your music out I think uh, I started doing yoga every day, maybe like one and a half year ago now. And I swear, and meditation as well, it has changed my life. Like it really changes the way you see things. And therefore, I think it also brings forth something that really uh, uh, opens up like creative uh, worlds to you. So um, yeah, it's uh, because what I'm writing about in Sylvain, is really related to kind of a spiritual realm anyways. I think that the yoga and meditation is probably bringing me even closer to my beliefs and to my, uh, yeah, to everything that is already in the project, which is uh, which is quite cool. It gives me new ways of, uh, of seeing the things that I've been like wondering about or that I have been writing about because, yeah, it uh, can be sometimes difficult subjects to speak about. And talk more about the content of your songs and uh, when you do the Sylvain project, you know, that spiritual aspect, you know, you know, what, what are you really trying to get out, you know, in the lyrics of these songs? So, um, I kind of wanted to make this project, uh, because I felt like there was, I mean, like, like, I'm sure a lot of people feel some kind of something inside me that never really, uh, left it was kind of like a, a yearning for something like I felt like I was disconnected from something or like put in the wrong time or some something of the sorts and as I've been making music and as I've been trying to express this like kind of like ultimate spiritual homesickness I've come to realize that I think it's because uh all of us are basically uh just uh we, we have, I mean, our human body belongs to this place and inside there is a soul that doesn't belong to here that pertains to something way more ancient, way more grand and vast and something that we can't really connect to while we're here. Therefore, some of us, maybe more than others, have this kind of longing for that original place, if I can call it that. And that's something I'm trying to uh, speak about in my music. I also try to speak about the difficulties that arise from having that kind of belief uh, and the kind of like... There's, there's something that's missing that you can't really fill because you don't you're kind of limited by your human senses by your human human form um so yeah that's basically what i made sylvain uh because of and also on adam's line coming undone i also couldn't help but be inspired by looking at the outside world and how things are kind of not going <laughs> super well these days, uh, right. it became almost like a parallel to what i was speaking about originally with my personal feelings about how we humans exist and you know the soul being separate and everything so yeah fun times fun stuff <laughs> <laughs> during during 
these times that during this journey that you've uh, done making these songs, has there been anything through all this sort of personal writing that you've been able to learn about yourself? Oh yeah, absolutely. Uh, that that's a really good way. It's like looking in the mirror, kind of, when you're making uh, stuff like that, both for the better and for worse. Um, yeah, you 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 kind of see your own limits. You see things that you would like to change in yourself. Uh, you see things that you won't be able to change. Uh, so yeah, I would definitely say it's a good way to get to know yourself as well when you're creating art. I guess everyone feels that way. But it's often dealing with matters that are not necessarily positive, but still, it's uh, useful in the in the big picture. Yeah, when you're when you're making art like this, you know how how sort of brave do you have to be to, you know, accept things that you need to change and accept things that you can't change. I think you have to be. Uh, I mean, brave. Yeah, sure, you can use that word. I think it's just a lot of people they don't want to necessarily even take a look at themselves or or the world or whatever, to actually sit down and reflect what can what can be done, what needs to be done, and what can't be changed necessarily. It's um, just how things work here, you know. Like you have to accept some things and just live with them, and other things you can work on. And that's not an easy thing to do, like, especially when you're talking about working on yourself, it's really, really difficult. And uh, sometimes it's hard to to accept things. Uh, but yeah, I think you just have to be realistic and uh, try to stay objective about things, not take everything too personal, but like, yeah, see things in the, the big scheme if it's possible. When it comes to the outside world, there's crazy stuff going on everywhere. But uh, when it comes to you know, Norway, what's, you know, what's going on there in society from your perspective? Well, I have to say, I think Norway is lucky in a way because I think we're quite a protected society in the, for now anyways, like the government we have are trying to kind of ruin it. But for now, the, you know, all the social aspects are very secure and like, it's really difficult. I think I have to say to be completely miserable and like, just have a horrible life over there. I know the class differences are getting bigger in Norway as well, but in general, I think we're quite safe compared to some other countries. Uh, just like everywhere, the politics and everything like that is not great. Um, politicians are, you know, they are what they are everywhere, it seems like. And um, yeah, we just like any other countries, we have aspects that we need to work on. Like I can mention, for example, I don't think we take very good care of old people in Norway. That's something that we really need to work on. Um, but in general, I think society there is quite, uh, good for now, at least because I look at other places in the world and I think that, uh, yeah, we're quite lucky. Yeah. One thing that I always, you know, you always think of like in Norway is, and you mentioned it earlier is like trees. There's always like little, <laughs> you always see bands yeah. getting pictures and forests and stuff yeah. like that. Yeah, yeah. What sort of like. You know, what's sort of like the beautiful aspects of Norway that you, you feel like maybe people don't really know about? Well, one thing I can say from my own city, which is Oslo, like not very original, I know the capital, but still, uh, one thing that I really love about this place is the fact that you have, if you want like the city life, you have the city there, you have like old parts that are really cute. And then you have the sea, just like you can, yeah, just by walking distance, you can see, you can drive your car and you have mountains, like huge mountains. You can drive your car a little bit another direction. You have a huge forest. It's really, um, even though, yes, I would say the Norwegian landscape uh, up until like quite far north, it's a little bit similar, you know, with like this very vast forest, huge mountains, like nice lakes and like fjords and rivers and stuff. Uh, further north, you don't have much trees, like you get over a certain limit and it looks kind of like you're on the moon, which is really cool. <laughs> uh, a bit like uh, a bit like Iceland, it's a bit the same feeling. Um, but yeah, I think it's basically the, the fact that no matter where you are, you are always super close to nature. And therefore, as we are raised in Norway, we're always uh, taught the, the value of the connection with nature. Like we spend a lot of time in nature and uh, yeah, I feel like not all countries necessarily have that. And I mean, yeah, I know I'm basically saying the same thing that you're saying. <laughs> you think about trees and yeah, basically the trees are a good part of the country. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, I like the, this closeness to nature that we, that we kind of get 
uh, that we teach that we're taught when we're kids uh, there. How does that closeness with nature sort of lend itself to just the everyday society? Well, I know like uh, it's you know there's a lot of people that spend a lot of time outdoors. I mean, like, of course, because Norway is a rich country, there's a lot of technology and a lot of, like, you know, iPhones, iPads, whatnot, things there as well. But I know that, the, you know, like, for example, just taking a hike with a family, that's something you do every single week, like going out and spending time by a lake or, you know, like this kind of stuff. It's like really embedded into the Norwegian culture or in the in the wintertime, you have the skiing, of course, which is very important as well. So I think it's like on a, if not daily, at least a weekly basis, people really go out and kind of use the nature and spend time there. Maybe not everyone has the same kind of connection to it as me personally, like, you know, as a more spiritual place, but people at least uh, go there and like they, they, they seek these places. What do you, you know, what do you feel like people get out of like seeking nature in, in your area? I think, uh, well, I think, I mean, it's, it's a way to find a kind of peace from all the noise and noise in the sense of not just like actually like sound, but like noise and in, in like impressions from, from everyday life. I think it's a really good way to de-stress. I think it's a really go- good way to, to, uh, reconnect with yourself. I think it's a good way to, to keep your body in good shape. I mean, like there's so many positive things by going out and using nature I think in Norway these days, it's a lot about keeping your body in shape because I know like um, physical health is very, very valued now. It's like really, really, you're almost supposed to be an athlete, like no matter who you are. But, <laughs> uh, so yeah, you do have a lot of like crazy sports fanatics in, in the woods, but uh, still, you know, there's so many different benefits that I think, yeah, people just use the nature for all kinds of different reasons. What's, what's sort of like social life in Oslo and Norway, like, you know, what's, you know, what's the typical way people go out and spend their time? What's the typical way people go out and date one another? Well, uh, you know, we have this thing in, in that I realized after leaving Norway uh, a little bit, that is kind of typically in a region is, you know, the, the working hard all week and then like going completely berserk on the weekends. That's yeah. like, <laughs> that's kind of how it works, you know, like you, you do your serious thing during the week and then during the weekend you get so drunk that you can't even walk anymore. That's kind of, <laughs> kind of the thing. For me, I don't actually drink, so I mean, I'm not a part of that. But <laughs> that's kind of like the cliche uh, Norwegian model, if I can say. Because we are, we tend to be quite private and not maybe the most, like, we're not like Latin, we're not very open about our feelings and stuff. It can be, dating can be complicated. <laughs> so I assume that people are uh, using Tinder and stuff like that to make things easier. But um, yeah, I mean, it's uh, the nightlife is good. There's a, it's a lot of stuff happening. There's always a concert, like every single day of the week you have a concert to go to. There's all kinds of like, you know, other things like theater, movies, whatever. So um, yeah, it's, there's a rich uh, nightlife. There's a, uh, yeah, rich social life there, basically. Just uh, it's, I know that sometimes people coming from the outside, they say it can be kind of difficult to penetrate like the Norwegian groups of people because we can be a bit, uh, coldish i guess until we get to know you kind of thing <laughs> how, how you know how do you feel like um an outsider can sort of warm up to your regular norwegian person or group of people well i think it's just like with anyone else you just have to get to spend some time and get to know the person i mean i don't think there's a, anything too uh mystical about it it's just like a matter of spending some time together maybe it's a bit less, I mean, maybe it takes a bit more time than with some other uh, people from other countries, but yeah. And in general, we're like a friendly people. It's just that we're a bit more, we're taught from the beginning, like that you're not supposed to like meddle in other people's business. So we're just a little bit quiet, I guess. I mean, that that's, that's some good uh, advice, I think. Yeah. I just, <laughs> just don't give up. Just spend time with the person. <laughs> that's my advice. Just don't give up. And for, and for people that are outsiders coming into uh, Norway, what's, you know, what's some other like things that they should know, like the do's and don'ts or, you know, things, you know, myths that you, you know, feel like that your area has? 
so yeah, uh, of course, with the coldness, the, the number one thing I hear about when people talk about Norway or even like Finland or, or I'm not sure about Sweden, but Norway and Finland, I've heard this a lot. The thing about like on public transportation, don't talk to other people because they'll think you're crazy, <laughs> which is kind of true. <laughs> That's kind of true. It's like also if there's like several free seats, don't sit next to someone else because God forbid you don't want human contact. That's kind of true. Um, I would also say uh, in general, uh, Norwegian people are really polite so don't i mean have good manners basically because we're taught that way as well like say thank you say please say excuse me this kind of thing uh we're also kind of like i said quiet so we don't necessarily like super like loud people that take a lot of space i mean you always oh. have them everywhere but yeah in general i don't think it's the thing i see the most in in oslo or maybe more in oslo actually because it's a big city but uh, still that kind of thing you know just be polite and stuff like that and uh Otherwise, I would say that even if it seems a bit cold to begin with, we're not, again, we're, we're friendly and stuff like that. So just, uh, yeah. Yeah, sounds good. Sounds good. Yeah, we're, uh, I don't think anybody likes those loud, obnoxious people in public. But unfortunately, yeah. here in the, the States, it's just, um, there's nothing we can do about it. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Well, it's okay. I mean, you know, that's totally fine. Right. So... This is a question I always like to ask people in the interviews. What is, you know, sort of a lesson, a nugget of knowledge from your life and career that anybody listening to this, doesn't matter what sort of avenue of artistry that they're in, that they sort of could project into their own life? Work hard. That's like my number one advice. No matter what you're doing in life, like no matter what you are uh, interested in or you want to achieve work hard like, apply yourself make sure that uh, when you think that you've done enough you can still do a little bit more because i think a lot of people and also follow through like finish stuff when you start something try to finish it because i really think uh, people tend to give up too fast and that can be on anything it can be on like giving up on writing a song it can be giving up on like you know getting your life together giving up on your relationship whatever just follow through work hard that's my only which I would say. And as somebody who has, who does so many different facets of the, the music making process, you know, and this is something that I even struggle with. I'm not a musician, but I got, you know, there's all these sorts of other avenues of artistry that I do. How do you sort of, you know, balance everything, you know, get other things started while doing the other things or in also, how do you, you know, stay honest with yourself about, okay, maybe I was interested in this one thing, but maybe it's just not for me. You know, how do you sort of make all those decisions and, like you said, finish these projects and work hard? I think it's basically like a matter of if you start something, you have to like at least give it a shot before you give up. Like you basically um, sometimes, for example, if I'm taking myself as an example, I'll start uh, working on a riff uh, that I found that I'm not like completely inspired by, I'm not 100% convinced it's going to work, or maybe it sounds too much like something else or something that I just don't feel is the best thing I ever made. But I'll still try to make a song out of it or like finish my demo for the song before I just move it into a, the the big idea pile that never gets used. Uh, just simple things like that, you know. Don't uh, sometimes you'll be surprised, like something you might not necessarily think is great or like uh, that you're not sure will lead anywhere will actually point you in a direction that you didn't even imagine. So, but of course, I mean, that being said, there's no shame in, in, in giving up on things. I just think that people sometimes have a tendency to give up too fast. I can get, uh, yeah, demotivated too fast. You just need to give things a chance. And then of course, uh, you, if you've been working on whatever project for like, you know, 10 years and nothing's happening, it's probably safe to say that you can move on. You know? <laughs> there's a limit there too. So, but uh, yeah, you just have to feel it out. How big is your idea pile and, you know, how, how, how often do you go back to it? Every time I start a new album, I always revisit everything there. I like listen to the ideas and most, almost every time I'm a bit like, but yeah, okay, there's a reason why they're here. <laughs> so, I mean, I have like one um, file of like one folder of like unused songs because after each al album, there's always some songs left behind, like for Adams, I think it was maybe four or five tracks that didn't make it onto the record. And uh, then I also have like a whole folder full of just ideas, like riffs or like vocal lines that have been singing into my phone or stuff like that. 
And sometimes, you know, it'll sound like nothing, but then when it comes down to it, you start working on it and you're like, ah, this is actually can be quite cool. So yeah, I do uh, revisit those ideas quite often. And sometimes also just to get inspiration to do something based, you know, off of that, like not necessarily just that riff, but like doing something, uh, it'll inspire something else. So I think it's useful to, to have stuff like that. What's your, you know, you mentioned that you're working on some uh, projects for the future, but ultimately what's sort of like your, you know, grand ideas for the future for yourself, whether it's with this Sylvain project or with anything else that you would love to do? That's a good question. I think uh, my main ambition with Sylvain is just to make sure that everything that I release is... Uh, yeah, surpasses itself. If that, that sounds pretentious, I don't mean to say that. I mean, just like to make sure that I still make good music. Like I won't release something just to release something. Like I, my only ambition is to make something that can make other people feel. That's the only thing I want. And then of course, in addition to that, I would love to tour uh, different places. Like I would love to tour Asia, North America, go back to South America, you know, those kind of things. Uh, absolutely would love that. Cause I really like playing shows. Um, and yeah, I mean, I guess, uh, Ultimately, I would like to also evolve uh, the spiritual side of my life more. So, but yeah, with, I think my number one goal is just to be able to continue making music like now and make sure that I make stuff that can actually speak to other people as well. How does the Sylvain project uh, tran translate into a live show? So I have three musicians with me on stage, uh, French musicians, really nice guys, really great guys, talented musicians. And uh, yeah. It's basically, we, we try to recreate what's on record. Obviously, because I brought three guys into the project, it doesn't sound exactly the same because they brought a bit of themselves into each part. Um, but yeah, I think it's, uh, I really, really liked the, the live setup. And uh, based on the feedback we had from audiences so far, it still seems to take people somewhere when they listen to us. So, so yeah, that's pretty much it. What do you hope your the listeners, that audience gets from listening to your music or seeing your live show? Honestly, uh, anything, like anything that uh, speaks to them or anything that just makes them feel something. It can be pretty much whatever. Like I'm not the one to dictate what they're supposed to feel. I know what I felt when writing the music, but that doesn't necessarily mean that it will be the same experience for the people listening. So just the fact of being able to touch someone in some kind of way is uh, mind-blowing to me. And before we get out of here, I always like to uh, end my interviews with this uh, same question and um, see if you have an answer for it. The, I always like to get suggestions for people to uh, interview for this podcast. Who would be somebody that's been a part of your life or career that I could realistically interview for this podcast that would have some great stories or lessons to talk about? Well, I can mention my better half, uh, uh, Nej from Alcest. He's an incredibly, incredibly talented musician, uh, a very, very kind uh, soul, and someone that has many, many stories to tell after being in this band. For, I mean, having this band for like so many years. It's also a solo project, so that's a person I definitely could could recommend. There's also, I have to just like, it just came into my mind here. There's another person that I could recommend that has the craziest stories and is like the best guy that you'll meet. That's also a French band. Uh, it's called uh, Aluc Todolo. It's a French band. They play this kind of dark, I don't know, jazzy music. It's really, really cool. And the drummer there, Antoine, this guy, he's the bomb. You should talk to him. <laughs> <laughs> great. That's great. So, um, yeah, thanks for um, doing this interview with me. It's been great talking with you. I loved hearing everything you had to talk about. Like, you were just awesome to talk to. Oh, thank you so much. It was really nice talking to you, too. Like, time just flew by. <laughs> right. Um, before yeah. we get out of here, uh, where can people go online to get more information about what you're up to? So, you know, the usual platforms were on Instagram, like Sylvain Music, on Facebook, Sylvain Music as well. And there's like a official website too. must say I'm not the best at updating that. So maybe social media is better. So yeah, those two places for sure. So that was my interview with Sylvain. Her album 
Adam's Align, Coming Undone, has been one of my favorite albums that I've heard over the past year. And it's one of my go-to albums to listen to when I am in public reading comic books. <laughs> Whether I'm at a coffee shop or at work or whatever. It's a good thing to listen to while I'm you know, reading comic books because the vocals are very... So it's the perfect thing to listen to while you're, while you're reading. It doesn't have to be comics. It can be anything. More information is in the show notes for this episode to where you can purchase Adam's Aligned, Adam's Aligned Coming Undone on digital CD and LP formats. And more information, too, about where you can follow Sylvain online. And also, I'd like to say that her suggestions for people to interview for this podcast were really great. Niche from Alcest. I ch uh, checked out Alcest. Oh my God, amazing band. And Antoine from Aluk Tadolo, another cool band. So hopefully we can get Antoine and Niche on the, on the Fresh Was the Word podcast in the future. And oh yeah, if you're in Toronto over this weekend, meaning between May 9th to the 13th, I'll be in town for the Toronto Comics Arts Festival. And I will be doing a spotlight panel on Saturday the 11th for the book Death Threat by, by Vivek Sharaya and illustrated by Ness Lee. We're going to be uh, talking about the book, the inspiration behind it during this panel. Uh, for more information about that panel, you can always go to torontocomics.com and all the information about the uh, about TCAF and everything else that's going on during that festival will be on the website. They have a really good website with everything that is going on in the times and how you can sign up. It's it's a total free festival and it looks awesome and I can't wait to be in Toronto this weekend. So that was another interview in the books. Thanks for listening. Goodbye and good night. Fresh, 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 fresh is the word.